Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to tell you about a few things because that is the value that I get for doing these podcasts for free is your undivided attention at the beginning of them. Uh, first of all, I have an Ulisal remix out now. It just came out. Um, it's uh, on my SoundCloud or whatever. Go to all the places and you can find it. It's on Spotify as well. Uh, this podcast is with Ulisal, so this is probably relevant information to you if you came there from his social media or mine. Uh, hopefully, you would be interested if I had new music out too. Uh, secondly, I have a new EP coming out soon called the Halftime EP, and I'm also doing a whole tour based around this EP called Halftime Tour. Um, I'm playing in Washington, Virginia Beach, Greensboro, Seattle, Harrisburg, Rochester, Cleveland, Arlington, Morrison, Colorado at Red Rocks, Browns Valley, California at the Unce Festival, and I'm playing again in Colorado at Sonic Bloom. Uh, if you want to know more about all those dates, go to mrbillstunes.com forward slash tour. Uh, you can also get tickets from there and all that kind of stuff. Uh, speaking of my website, uh, I have a subscription-based model on there in which you can learn how to use Ableton Live. Uh, if you've ever wanted to write music or anything like that before and you have musical ideas in your head, but you just don't have the technical know-how as to like how to write music, well, my website's a pretty good place to start. It's 15 bucks a month and there's literally thousands of hours of video content on there. I feel like if you dive into that, uh, you should be able to learn how to how to write music pretty quickly. Uh, also, through my website, you can find links to my Discord server and my Facebook group. And through there, you can hit me up personally and ask me to get certain guests on the podcast and talk about certain topics with certain guests and just stay in touch in general. And yeah, um, that's about it. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Go check out all those things and have a good day. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. sick man we're doing it welcome to the mr bill podcast oh wow yeah it's it's happening we're here yep yeah so basically we just talk for however long you want to talk for about anything you want to talk about cool you take the lead (laughs) all right um we could talk about uh how you thought my tweet was bad about the ep so you uh, what so when this podcast comes out it'll it'll come out on um next monday so well i have one coming out this monday on the 17th it'll come out on the 24th so what date does your remix ep come out uh on the 22nd of february oh that's perfect so like people can actually listen to the release whilst like after or before listening to this podcast so that's good or simultaneously and just play, yeah, they, they could play the podcast over the release. <laughs> It'd be oh man. So you know how um uh if you play Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon mm-hmm. over the top of the Wizard of Oz, it like all links up. Wow. Did you know that? No. So uh, they it, made Dark Side of the Moon as a soundtrack, unofficial soundtrack too. No, they didn't. But some stoners, I guess, like back in the day figured out that if you start the vinyl and then play uh the Wizard of Oz at the same time, like it just uh coincidentally like in a bunch of parts of the movies like syncs up really nicely oh <clears throat> it's so not of, the entire thing but no but i mean i don't know i watched like you can you can go to youtube and type in pink floyd dark side of the moon 
Wizard of Oz and uh-huh. like, and somebody's like made this and, and watched it and done that already. Um, and you can kind of see, I don't know, to me, I watched it and I was like, eh, it sort of syncs up in some parts and other parts. It's, I don't know, if you're really high, I could see it with, <laughs> yeah. like making you're sense. Like, Whoa. Whoa. You're like, oh, this is definitely like yeah, working this- way too well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe like this podcast over the top of the remix release would be like that. It'd be like, it just turns out we we accidentally make like a coincidental thing where if you layer it over the top of the release, like mm-hmm. it's just commentary for the release. <laughs> yeah. Or we can just pause the podcast right here, play the remix EP in our ears, and then we speak to the rhythm of mm. it. Or we just have a metronome at 140 BPM right now going. Mm-hmm. Dude, last week when I did the frequent podcast, literally the first thing I started talking about was also Twitter shit. I was like, hey, Nolan, um, so you made a tweet one one day that, that said... uh." not being able to mix down your tune as a whole aesthetic now in 2020 or 2019 or whatever like what's that tweet about and then he also made that tweet about rhythm djs mm-hmm. like how it was like chopping rhythm together is like easier than chopping carrots or something like that uh-huh. and um what do you what do you think about that tweet like we oh, already, his tweet yeah we oh. already we already got like frequent thoughts on this like on the last on the frequent podcast so now it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that because you're a rhythm dj so like what I know the general consensus from the rhythm community was like, fuck this kid. <laughs> um, what are we talking? We're talking about frequency tweet. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. Cause he's like a really good producer and there's like a level of like having a brain that writes music at that level. And then thinking about like DJing cause DJing itself is kind of like really easy comparatively to writing music at that level. But as far as just DJing is concerned, I think, chopping and like dubstep djing is like a more technical level of djing than like 90 percent of edm djing Mm -hmm. so i mean it's kind of like a misguided tweet but there's like a level of truth to it that people are like basing their whole like careers and aesthetic off of like their ability to you know chop dubstep and then you're like a producer that like makes really complicated beautiful music i can understand why it's like stupid to you but you know i think there's a degree of truth to it, but overall a dubstep DJ, I think is a lot harder or just more technical and like makes sets more engaging and entertaining than to someone who transitions between songs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually you that told me like I should do more active mixing in my sets. And I think I've started to do that recently and I kind of appreciate it more now. <clears throat> like when I see a, a dubstep DJ play, I'm like more appreciative of it because I know like how hard it is now. I find it just more fun as well because I don't know like before that I was trying to make my sets more fun by doing like live shows and shit like that and like I did a whole tour with a drummer that had like synced visuals to it and like I was trying to like make it technical in other ways but I definitely see the appeal to just being like fucking I'm just gonna write tunes and then try and make the set technical by just playing more tunes at the same time pretty much yeah I mean that's kind of like yeah I I remember when we first started started to become friends like you really didn't understand like dubstep at all and that's a really common thing other people who make other genres of music and they come into dubstep like this is like a really weird like what you guys do is not that cool and then like they get into it themselves and they like realize like the amount of work and like technicality that actually goes into like making like a like at least like an innovative or like a good dubstep tune I mean, granted, like any genre, you can like emulate or do whatever. But yeah, especially when it comes to DJing, I, as I said, like dubstep DJing is probably like one of the most technical. You have DJs like Subtronics and like Squanto and stuff that are playing like three or four songs at a time. And they're like anyone could play three or four songs at a time, but to make three or four different songs from different people 
come together and sound like one new cohesive thing is like really like a awesome skill and like makes that so engaging because you really don't know what's going to happen like and i think there's an art to that i mean also there is like a degree of impressiveness to the opposite like anticipating things you know that's kind of what like techno is or whatever right but dubstep is the opposite it's like adverting your expectations and uh to do something in a way that like makes sense is uh really cool um yeah especially finding songs that work together is like a whole uh like art form and takes a lot of time i think the reason why people from other genres find it uncool like maybe people like frequent why he made that tweet or people like me before i like got into dubstep as much you know i would i would like slight on dubstep people a little bit and shit i think the reason why is because it's such a heavily rewarded thing to do right so like you have these people who are making like five figures a set and you know they have like shitloads of followers and they're getting a lot of attention and stuff like that and i feel like once something is getting like once someone is getting rewarded that hard and there's so much attention on those kind of people and whatnot it just becomes very susceptible to um like scrutiny yeah and i think that's like an interesting psychology thing too because it doesn't mean that it's like not less valuable but like it like has kind of a complicated sort of topic because yeah frequent brain is probably like working at a higher level than like a rhythm dj's brain is so it doesn't <laughs> make so it doesn't make sense for like about that to be like no i mean i don't know i think so i mean someone who like spends most of my time producing and is like a rhythm dj and does both of that stuff mm-hmm. i can i have like more of like a respect for someone like him who like produces at his level than like the way i see nolan is like i love nolan but the way i see him is he's this dude who he's this kid who like sits in his basement smoking heinous amounts of weed and just like going in on very detailed music i don't necessarily think that that means he's like brain is operating at a higher level i think he's just very like he just goes like very focused in on these like super detail oriented pieces and shit yeah and that's working at a high anyone who focuses that hard on anything is doing something at a higher level than someone who is like absent-mindedly doing something or doing something for like like emulating something or not giving its attention anyone who does anything exceptional is doing that like whether they're smoking heinous amounts of weed while doing it or not is like that really separates you know people who work at a higher level is their ability to focus on something and really get down into the nitty-gritty of it so and, do you think music then that just has more detail in it is no no not inherently better no but for someone like me not, not inherently better but inherently higher level yeah i think uh, yeah i think when you when you i think well, it also depends because I was going to go back into like earlier when you were mentioning, I kind of got sidetracked with a frequent, like, because I was going to say that like pop music, like people talk shit on pop music a lot, but like that is a simpler form of music, but it t- also has a skill set into it. And yeah, it's really stripped down and simple, but there's also an art and a really like masterful skill into make something, making something simple, something that's catchy. And yeah, I would agree. I think, I think it's really easy to put everything into a track i think it's really hard uh so so one problem that i have a lot and i think a lot of producers have this a lot is you in some point in the process start to value things in the song that you invested a lot of time and effort into so like for instance if i spend half a day making a snare and then that snare is in the song but it's like the song is just not hitting properly and then i go into a cymatics pack and import snare number one from sample pack number one that they ever released Uh into my song and it works perfectly 
there'll still be a huge part of me that's like no I no leave. i shouldn't do it yeah, yeah no like, i'm the same way like definitely and like you start to make like and that's i i'm maturing more as like a artist like the more time i do it where well, i'm that's getting the pop a- music producer maturity right is they would pick sample number one and be like it works perfectly fuck it yeah that yeah exactly and that's a different level like different mindset for sure um no yeah and that's another interesting topic is like having like being able to set like your ego aside or like the amount of time you've invested in things for like the betterment of your piece um but yeah going back into the other thing about like loads of detail i think being able to put loads of detail into something but making it work and like be something that like people can digest on a large scale is another like form of mastery that's like really impressive because like anyone can jam tons of detail into something but it doesn't come together like it just you know and becomes like nonsense to most people Uh, maybe it makes sense to the person who wrote it like i definitely have music that like makes sense to me but like definitely i know would be random to tons of other people um but yeah i think being able to do like crazy detailed music with a co like cohesive idea behind it is something that's really impressive and also the opposite something that's super refined and simple but tricks you into thinking that like or doesn't trick you but entertains that part of your brain that desires for something complicated you know there's different degrees of art and skill and everything (laughs) for sure yeah um we should talk about your remix release though (laughs) we don't have to talk about my tweet but we can just talk about the (laughs) release i mean fuck i'm plugging your release for you right now like on a a platform that's probably bigger than my twitter yeah hell yeah um and also the people who are listening to this podcast are way more engaged than people on twitter yeah for sure i mean especially Um, if they've gotten like what are we up to like 12 minutes if they've listened 12 minutes in there they're, yeah they're they're invested, they're in invested. This. there's no going back <laughs> no. they're like on a car ride right now from um like northern california to southern california yeah that's 100 percent of the fan base yeah or they're going from like <laughs> somewhere in the midwest to somewhere else in the midwest definitely yeah they're going from peoria illinois to joylet illinois <laughs> yeah <laughs> or jo- joliet or um Dude, I guarantee you there's one person <laughs> super stoned in his car and he's like, fuck, how did he know? <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. Um, and then he's saying, fuck, how do you know I just said that? <laughs> um, yeah, he just like <laughs> crashes his car. The simulation. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. The remix thing. Um, yeah. So what, what made you want to do a remix release in the first place? Oh, um, so yeah, basically what I wanted to do. Um. I, I always kind of really wanted to do a remix pack. I tried to do one before in the past with a different release. Um, but it just kind of became too much of a hassle at the time. Cause I do everything on my own. Like I'm like a self-released self-managed artist. So we I have should, to coordinate. Yeah. Um, we can go down this hole for a minute, but we should also talk about that at some point, like self-managing and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. We can go to that next, but yeah. Anyways. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of hard to coordinate like all these people, like tons of artists. And then also coordinating like my day-to-day life, writing music and touring and stuff like that. Um, so that takes time. Um, yeah. And in the past, it just, you know, kind of like, like fell into, but this time I really cracked down and committed it. And it took, a, took a lot of time to get everyone on board. Some people like made remixes and then their management like pulled it or some people like, um, like got stuck and like couldn't finish it or something. So I had to like, you know, it just takes time to get that thing How do you all feel, bit together. Yeah. I, I feel that. How do you feel about people? um people's management pulling their stuff off releases i think it really depends because like i mean i don't ever you don't know the mindset of the manager um i think sometimes it can be a good thing to say no to things but i feel like there's definitely that balance and sometimes people 
you know, may pull away opportunities that really shouldn't be pulling away. Like sometimes, yeah, like uh, I think a lot of managers are afraid that doing something too small is going to make your artist like a s- look small or something like mm-hmm. in the public eye. Right. Um, but I think there's things that, you know, like if you, you should just be constantly being active and growing your fan base and exposing yourself to as many people as possible. If it fits, if there's time for it, if it fits into your schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's a degree to it. You definitely shouldn't let your artists do things that are beneath them, quote unquote, like whatever that may be is or however you may see that. So like what, what would be an example if you were a manager and you were managing me, like what would be something you sh- you'd be like, you shouldn't do that. I don't know, but I think it would be weird for Marshmallow to do a remix for like some random kid on SoundCloud that with like 50 followers, like it doesn't really right. make any logical sense. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's like a clear example of that mindset, but like mm-hmm. obviously not to not that degree, like especially when you're a growing artist too, they're really scared of like, you know, making, like making, move yeah. So they really just want to push you in with the guys who are already doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, the gals or whoever's like already really established, you know, that's what they want. They want you to associate with that group. I mean, but I, I don't really care about that stuff. Like, and that's another thing of like me is like, for me, it's art first. And, you know, sometimes that's a bad thing. And it's like, kind of like sabotage me is like me not wanting to play the game so much. Cause you got to play the game you know, to get popular because yeah like one of those games for instance is like pixel sizes on flyers and shit like how big your yeah. name is next to somebody else's yeah name exactly or if you're on the left or the right or something or above or below someone right. yeah Which all that if you're self-managing you probably deal with all the time right yeah i play that game for sure um yeah you, i mean that's another thing like you really can't like you kind of got to know your place too you can't like as an artist like you know, doing your own thing. You can't, you can't be like, Oh, what? I'm on this festival with marshmallow. Fucking make, yeah, make me marshmallow size. Yeah. You can't do that stuff. But I mean, like sometimes there's things that just don't make sense that you just can't let go. Cause uh, someone else may have just like a crazy, more cutthroat, ruthless manager, you know? And you're like, no, like that's just, you know, I've been doing this way longer. You're like, wait, you know, stuff like that. But it's not about how long you've been doing stuff. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Not at all. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's actually totally irrelevant. It's all kind of about the interests of you. And this is just goes beyond me. Of course, this is like like a lot of people don't actually realize like people like people listen to this, like the amount of time that goes into like the way people are built on flyers. (laughs) That's like a crazy topic. We could probably spend the rest of this like uh podcast talking about flyer billing well here's the thing is like you probably have that conversation i never have that conversation um how do the how do those conversations usually go oh it's like because i so i have a manager who has that conversation for me yeah so um i typically just bring it up and like i would like to be here on this and i never ask for anything ridiculous and if they say no then it's like okay (laughs) you know i'm not like gonna like throw away things you know for like and that's the thing that a manager would do a manager would like throw away the the show or like the if they don't get it their way you know because they have to you know that'd be super but for me like i'm not gonna not do something because it which i probably shouldn't go on the record some some promoter is going to hear this and be like oh we're gonna make him open <laughs> yeah we're gonna put him on the doors and <laughs> yeah, make his name yeah. one pixel yeah big. no but I, I definitely yeah bring it up and um we can also cut that out if you want we have a pod like it's an edited podcast meaning if at any point between now and the time it goes up you're like uh i shouldn't have said that we can cut it out (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah let's get back to the the remix the remix release yeah Yeah, so um so so many tangents yeah so personally i wasn't um super stoked with my 
remix and the reason why mm. is because i just didn't sit on it for long enough like i find these days with music what i need to do is i need to and this was not the case back in in the past and i so here's what i used to do in the past i'd write a song in like a, a, no more than a day or a day and a half mm-hmm. and then i would just instantly upload it to soundcloud mm-hmm. and be like that's a finished piece of music that will be on the internet forever that i'm stoked with mm-hmm. and then years later i'd be like wow that's so fucking bad I needed to really think about that a bit harder before I uploaded it to the internet. Um, <clears throat> so now what I do is I write a piece of music and I sit on it for like at least a month, just like kind of listening to it and figuring out like all the things about it that piss me off and then really figuring out what it is about it, like what the whole, what the main shit is about it that I like. And then I go back to it and then sort of amplify the things about it that I like and remove all the shit that pisses me off. And then I feel like it's just a larger snapshot of my vibe and my emotions and my interests in music, basically, rather than just like a one day snapshot of, of all that stuff. Cause obviously on one day, your interests are not your overall interests. right? Yeah. And like, as a person, you like your brain is always changing so you can get yeah. more perspectives on it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like with this remix, it was sort of like one of those smaller, confined yeah things. but why but the re- well the reason why was because you were like it needs to be finished by x date and i think that the date was like within a week or something like that and then the you the guy ended up or whoever pulled out and other shit happened and i could have really spent more time on yeah. it. yeah but that's why but then you did it you had I'd, more time it freed up you, you didn't i don't know but yeah that, i mean <laughs> you, but to be honest i really like what i think you did. i think you were scared um about like if you gave me more time then the whole release would just take longer and shit so you, you didn't actually tell me that i could spend more time on it oh i didn't think i needed to i mean right. like while i'm doing it you can i mean but it's I, really up to you but I, mean, I could also like feel your stress on it yeah for like, sure for sure being like and i i've, I've been there before yeah. like i've collaborated uh-huh. with a fucking shitload i know i know the feeling of like trying to get a release together and i never want to be the person who's like holding a release back so i also didn't really want to spend more time on it for that reason as well and just like hold shit up if i was or whatever but that's how I feel about my remix. And I guess like for me to just be like, oh, I did a thing that I don't really like is reductive. But I'm on Twitter. You kind of have to be reductive because you only get a certain amount of letters that you can use. But I removed the tweet because it wasn't really adding anything <laughs> to anything. <laughs> but for, for people listening, basically, I added a tweet that was a retweet of your thing where I was basically just like, oh, I don't really like the remix I did, but this release is coming out soon. And you're like, man, you shouldn't say that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And then I removed it. And then yeah which was probably the right call but yeah that tweet was up at some point <laughs> but at least i personally like, really like the remix i mean it, yeah. and if i didn't like what you did i wouldn't have put it on or i would have like told you to do better mm-hmm. i don't know it's a different vibe too and honestly the kids on the internet are like really stoked on it too even in the cool. context of a bunch of really loud bass music tunes that's the other they're thing like picking yours out as like one of their favorites interesting yeah so that's the other thing that i have a bit of anxiety about is that it's like literally a dubstep release from a dubstep artist on a release full of like seven or eight other heavy ass dubstep tunes and then there's my shit which is just like <laughs> well it's not all dubstep on there i mean there, there's a divert like there's a range of music but yeah it's all significantly heavy louder yeah. and more aggressive <laughs> right i mean but that's nice and that was also part of my thinking of it too and also the way like where i put it in the package too it ends i mean because the original ep has tons of melodic sections in it too and that's basically what you've done in your remix you just like took the right. main melodic idea and then stretch it out into like a full-on song mm-hmm. rather than giving it like a big like drop a, or whatever yeah, yeah um um yeah so a lot of the people who remix it you know played on that idea too so the song before it on the package has like a long melodic outro 
And then there's your song. So if you're listening to it from beginning to end, it makes sense in context of the thing. Who listens to releases from beginning to end these days, though? I don't know. I don't. I mean, people's attention span is so short, but I do at least. Really? Like if like an artist that I truly like, like I don't know, like Flume or Porter Robinson or something, puts out a release, I literally put it on and I listen to it from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. that's yeah. a good way to do it I've, I've been doing that more lately because i moved to san fran and now my studio is in the lounge room which is kind of sick it like doesn't sound quite as good as my old studio but now it's like if i want to take a break i can like walk to the other side of the room and like sit on a couch and feel like i'm chilling but also still have my monitors cranking music fuck yeah so i've I lately have been listening to like boards of canada albums and shit mm-hmm. which is good a lot of people make tracks and they don't sit and like think about the idea of their record as a whole all the time and i definitely do like especially when i write music i write, when have you ever put out a record though i haven't put out like albums or anything like that but but you only put out singles right no i do i've done tons of eps oh. long long eps right. big eps like i've done like eight track eps multiple oh, times That's over basically again an album right yeah but i mean if i'm gonna make something in an album it's gonna be like not a dubstep it's gonna be like a body of music that i'm like really proud of that is you know diverse and is deeper you know i'm saving an an album for something that like saving is more profound yeah building up to that i'm like you know i'm trying to develop my like maturity as a songwriter to make something that i think i think there's a different like degree of artistry that goes into like an lp (laughs) than something like an ep and it's also easier to get across messages in like four songs you know but you have to elaborate on them with like an nlp you know yeah so my um differentiation and this is the most basic shit ever for an lp versus an ep is just if it's longer than 45 minutes i call it an, e- an lp yeah i mean and that's what yeah. well it should be like 30 minutes right 30 minute play time is like an i mean LP. so for me 45 minutes is like over 10 tracks usually because uh-huh. my tracks are never usually four and a half minutes long so it'd have to be like 11 or 12 tracks usually to be 45 minutes. And at that point, for me, that's an album. But it never necessarily means that it has to like tell a cohesive story or anything. Yeah, but for me, like when I write music, that's what I'm after. But yeah, like this, the definition of it isn't like the idea you're getting across. You could just put 12 songs that have nothing to do with each other together. And that's it's, usually you know, what it, I do. And it is. But that's not the way I make music. Like when right. I sit down, I sit down and I do something like with a vision. Mm-hmm. And that's why they come out as EPs and not like single a bunch of singles because if i was doing that then i would just be uploading music all the time right like on soundcloud or whatever as singles yeah yeah i did that for a long time when soundcloud was still cool uh-huh. Wait, how do you feel about soundcloud these days um i think soundcloud is a victim of a lot of things with social media i don't know like it's really weird trying to keep fan bases up on the internet or any platform you know and also like like when you put like a lot of your eggs in one basket like you develop a big soundcloud following but then people like leave soundcloud like they like you lose your fans but do you actually lose your fans or do you just lose their engagement well, on you that platform? you lose their engagement but i mean also that's like another whole concept like i don't know like the life cycle of like a fan and like an edm or whatever like varies too like you know i mean i'm sure like every person like me like you don't your favorite genre of music doesn't stay your favorite genre of music for ever you Mm -hmm. know i mean maybe for some people like for me but i definitely have phases of like things i like the most whether it's like metal or you know dubstep or idm or you know it changes i think and i think for most people like oh they're really into like this one artist for like a year or two and then they like move on to some other thing true yeah that's a good point but i i don't know the same thing happens with social media too i think they're like oh i'm really into instagram today and then maybe they're like oh i gave up on instagram (laughs) right (laughs) you know yeah true i think some artists are like that but i think there's other artists who somehow like exceed that or like supersede that you know like 
like Tipper, for instance, there's like his fan base, they don't seem to leave. They seem to just like keep accruing and being Tipper fans and traveling across the country. Well, yeah, I mean, of shows. course, like, I mean, like a lot, like, and I'm not saying that everyone does that. Like, you know, I'm sure like you or like any artist that anyone's ever been a fan of, like people like remain fans for them. And like, I have bands that I listened to as like a kid, like really young that I'm like, I still listen to in my car or whatever. But I mean, yeah, there's like a degree of like diehardness, you know, and also like the over like arching scene behind it changes, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. yeah. And that's why you see like, you know, dubstep died or whatever, like quote unquote. And then now it's back like super huge, you know? So there's waves, you know, people come in and come out mm-hmm. of genres. So I thought dubstep died in 2007 or some shit when I was in Australia, like for a while it was kind of getting big there. And there was like, uh, it was around that era when Chestplate Records was doing a lot of shit with like Distance and stuff like that. Do you know that guy? No, I don't. I don't know if I do. Distance is like... I know Chestplate though. So Distance, um, I would say it was like the first kind of dubstep I ever heard that was sort of like that Whittler style or like Truth or whatever. It's like that sort of dark wubby shit, um, which is sick. And then I was like, oh, this is really good. And then uh, 16-bit came out with Chainsaw Calligraphy mm-hmm. and that was sort of like the pinnacle of it. And then it just seemed to die. And like all the warehouse parties that were happening around that genre and stuff just stopped and like everything just sort of died. And I was like, oh, fuck, I guess dubstep didn't take off then. (laughs) I feel like. And then Skrillex happened and then. Well, yeah, no, but I feel like there was a long like a build because it from that time. Yeah. 16 bit kind of like started this like idea of like turning dubstep into something that's more like wubby and deep into something more obnoxious. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's kind of what happened. And then I think when dubstep really started to blow up was like. With Circus Records and a lot of those guys like Flux Pavilion and Dr. P and mm-hmm. and that was like like that era is probably like late 2000s early 2010 and then that's kind of like when Skrillex came along too and I think it like peaked in like 2012 and then after 2012 is when you got all like the American kid copycats who like basically are like like trying to Skrillex run. step they're trying to like yeah, make yeah. that they're trying to make his music right. like themselves and and that's when like Europe had like wanted nothing to do with the genre anymore, and like you have a lot of like really big DJs who like even quit making the music because they just like found it to be cringy because it was like bastardized. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it started to really emerge in two thousand and seven, but after like and then it, it continued to grow and develop, and then it kind of died out after Skrillex made it gigantic in America. Yeah, which I don't know. I think it was a good thing. No, yeah, it's a great thing. Well, because like it, ha- it took time for it to go from like what he did and then to like kind of shift into what it is now, which is I think you have people who are like really innovating and making cool stuff that like is sound designy and heavy and like kind of obno- obnoxious, but is more dancey and has more cohesive ideas and is just a little like easier to listen to yet exciting. You know, right. like people like Ominous or like Sudden Death or, you know, Fizo, people like people like that. Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk more about self-management because I think that's like one thing I like to do with this podcast sometimes is like whatever the other person that I'm talking to is like kind of good at and can impart some knowledge on people who who are listening who are maybe like you know just bedroom producers who don't really know what they're doing or are just starting or whatever it's like yeah, always yeah. useful to hear from people who have mm-hmm. you know done crazy amounts of shit like for instance last week I had Matt Davis on the podcast which is a guy who aligns my studio and the guy who does like tipper studio and stuff and we literally just for and and i also had this guy on the podcast who designs these fucking crazy speakers um and 
we basically just talked for like an hour and a half or whatever on like just shit that you can just do in your own room to to like align your room yourself basically but it was basically like a like a really quick rundown on acoustics um and i've had managers on this podcast before like i had the guy who managed closey and beats antique and stuff on the podcast and yep. he had a bunch of interesting shit to say mm-hmm. uh yeah so I'd, I'd just be interested to talk to you about that a little bit yeah so i mean i'm not really by any means like a great manager if i was i'd be like probably way more famous because like that's the whole idea of a manager is to you know, take anything and sell it to a mass amount of people is, but, is it though is that like the main goal for, for a manager you think yeah i think manager i mean for me well i mean there's many goals of a, of a manager they do a lot of different things but i mean one of them is to make sure that their artist is you know able to function as they're meant to which is to like produce music and on like on a schedule and like create a product like mm-hmm. that's the one thing but then i think the thing that and I think a lot of like a lot of people who want to get in management are pretty good at that. But I think the really hard thing that separates like the managers with like gigantic artists like Marshmallow is their ability to like sell a product, you know, is like to package it up and make it really accessible to huge audiences. And, you know, that's I think the big talent of a manager, a good manager. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think those are like the two things. And there's probably a ton of other tasks in between that, you know, I'm kind of overlooking. But like for me, yeah, I, I do, but like obviously I I keep myself on a schedule i have a bunch of sticky notes on my computer and i have like a calendar and stuff that i follow and um yeah like mental lists but yeah and then i I, and i also have a vision and a big picture for myself but i don't necessarily think it's like the most mass marketable thing and i'm not really that connected like i'm more connected with artists because luckily i have like i'm fortunate enough that like i have respect from other artists people that i respect so like there's a mutual art artistic respect which is nice so i can get my music out to other artists but you know i'm not really plugged into like the industry aspect of it which is probably something that like i'm really missing and you know like i'm not saying like i don't need a manager but you know for where i'm at right now and like what i'm trying to accomplish which is just make really good music and like deliver my artistic vision like i think i'm doing it pretty well i've done a pretty good job of finding the visual like people who can do good visual aspects like on the internet and yeah, you're know, talking to them. Who are you using in the moment for visual art? Uh, oh yeah. So um, I'm sure tons of kids are going to jump on this, but uh, I, like I have this illustrator, um, Oscar from, I found him on Instagram and he's yeah, just an apps. Yeah. He's done art for you. He's just, he's done art for like lots of people. I think he's done stuff for, like EPROM and black tiger sex machine. And he's just, in a, he's in a, just an incredible illustrator. Um, Yeah. He's just fantastic. And uh, I, I hit him up and I was just like, dude, I really love your art. And like, I, I don't know if you'd be down to like work with music on me. Cause it, like on his Instagram, it always says, he's like, yeah, I don't do commission work. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I, I actually like your music. And that's like what I'm talking about is like right. when you have art, like respect from other artists, like it really helps you, you know, kind of plug into things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm so fortunate to work with him cause he's so incredibly talented. And yeah, that's something like I, I like really look after is like having a relationship with someone who you know gets what you're trying to do and can do it and that's a really hard thing to find and like you know like i put in the work to do that you know i didn't like just do what everyone else because a lot of people i feel like in in dubstep especially like they catch on to the idea oh this one guy did this artist and i liked it so i'm gonna like do his thing too and the next thing you know like the whole genre is completely homogenized by like these one artists and i think that happened with like robotic imagery like back with like excision and datseek and and djosta and jfub like everyone had like and I, not to like talk down all that because like I, I thought it was all really cool too but like for a long time the dubstep scene was so homogenous with art you know and it still is like a lot of people use people that they know 
will do it, you know, and that because they like it. But yeah, individuality they're like, they're is super like it's easy. I can just give this guy a hundred bucks and he'll do a piece of art that looks like familiar to everybody else's and yeah and then everyone it, will accept this as a product because it's like a known formula that yeah works exactly and, yeah. yeah and that, I, i'm not about that i'm about like having my own image and vision like i'm gonna say that a ton of times but like i really know what i want and you know i think that's something that is a positive about me and that a lot of artists may need that in a manager that right. they don't know what like their brand or their vision is for mm-hmm. like that aspect of it but they can make good music right you know and and that's something that's probably missing from a lot of people that you know i don't need help with mm-hmm. yeah true uh yeah that's a good point so what what would you suggest then if there's like an artist who's driving from peoria illinois to, to joliet illinois who's still freaking out about the fact that we mentioned him earlier who's like, oh, I'm totally like making tunes and have a bunch of stuff on SoundCloud. And like, you know, he's got a couple of thousand followers or a couple mm-hmm. hundred followers on each network or, you know, wants to start playing shows, doesn't have a manager or an agent, any of that stuff. Like what, what would your suggestion be? Like yeah, if yeah. you're at that level, like how do you move forward from there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, and I, and I this tell is this... all assuming that you are actually writing good music that people. Yeah. So I was going to get into that too. So like, I think, yeah, obviously, I mean, I don't think you need to, ha- like, I don't think you actually need to make good music to have a career in music. Okay. <laughs> Cause yeah. I, I see that uh, I, there's evidence for that. Right. You wanna but if you're any... trying to, to, to break out on your own, like you live in Illinois or something like that, like you're yeah. not connected. Uh, the first step is to make really good music. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you have really good music, other artists and other people will they'll notice right the, and they'll appreciate that and that's how you start to get that artistic respect and by having that you can develop your network really easily right with other artists and then other artists may have people that are plugged into like the actual industry thing mm-hmm. so i mean kind of like i think a big reason why dubstep is really popular right now is because i was lucky to kind of develop like my own little network of friends on facebook and people are always like oh no one in my town you know, makes the same music as I do or even likes it. And I'm like, yeah, neither, neither did I, but I've made friends in France. I made friends in England. I made friends in Australia, you know, and we developed, we became friends on the internet and we shared our music and we reposted our music. And that's what, ha- and that's how you grow. Like one fan becomes someone else. Fan, and then you, you grow a community that way. And that's why I think a big reason dubs up so popular right now in America and like drum and bass, for example, isn't is because drum and bass is so weird and like, you know, closed off about, their it's, culture dude, okay yes it is weird that drum and bass artists are like i oh, know i have to like protect all my secrets and stuff and dubstep people generally are like more community-based people however having said that you were like closed off to sharing the traveler project file oh yeah i'm a closed off per- i'm way more closed off about my music and stuff but at the same time i'm probably one of the most so yeah about sharing my like vision and like in my in my art i'm really weird and protective about that stuff but as far as growing like showing other artists and supporting like up-and-comers i'm probably like i would consider myself like like i do a lot in that regard for Mm -hmm. like helping kids like or like new people can can we talk about that for a sec Uh, yeah i'm just curious like why uh like for instance um i've always been like in crazy about sharing knowledge and and sharing project files and just like essentially open sourcing what i do yeah because uh, a i don't think my tricks make me what i am as an artist i don't think anyone would make my music even if they knew every trick i know yeah um and secondly i think the more better producers there are out there it a forces me to get better as a producer i can't stagnate because there's other people who are, who know exactly how i do my shit so it's like well fuck i have to be better than them now and then secondly, as the entire industry as a whole gets better, 
then electronic music as a whole grows and pe- people who maybe would never have gotten into it otherwise who are maybe just into rock and they're like, you yeah, know, fuck electronic music. It doesn't have guitars in it or whatever. Then see it as this really well-produced thing because like everyone's great at it now and, you know, then the whole thing just grows. Well, I mean, like, okay, well, there's a lot of answers for that. Like, I guess like one thing would be then like everything should be free, right? You shouldn't have to pay. Yeah, you, totally. Yeah, I mean, but that's like a whole like idealistic concept that like but, but it doesn't actually work in practicality. But in in the field of information with the internet, it's not idealistic. It can exist. Okay, then school should like school should like college should be free, right? I mean, well, and, col- and I think it probably should be or at least it should be paid for. But people who are giving technically you... technically is on the internet if you just have the discipline to go and do it. I'm not... Okay, first of all, I'm not even trying to say that I'm trying to sell my information or my knowledge. I'm not trying to say it, but I am also trying to say that there's a value to information and knowledge, right? And uh, accumulating sure that. Is, That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, and I'm not trying to like necessarily sell my information, but yeah, there's a value to it. And I think that myself is valuable. Um, and I think professors, like if you're paying money to go to like uh, like Berkeley or something to learn music, I think what they're telling you, they deserve money for it because they have a mind, you know, yeah, that you're trying to get information from. A lot of people download a project file, like what you're trying to say. You're trying to say that you wanted to share our well, they, collab they on would, the internet, right? They, they would have purchased it and I would have split that money with you. Though, so well, I don't even care about the, so the, the money. I don't even care. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, I didn't, well, I didn't even know about the, the, the uh, money aspect when you even asked me. That wasn't even like a, a thing on my mind. I'm just trying to say there's right. value to it, right? That's yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say. No, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think something that you said, you don't think your tricks make you. Well, I mean, I definitely think there's a degree of that too for me because- I started out, I mean, a lot of people have to probably listen to this and, you know, start like I got into producing electronic music, you know, like not as long ago as you did. Um, but like, yeah, there wasn't like YouTube tutorials or anything back in the day. Like there wasn't like education for that. I literally had to like figure it all out on my own, like by like reading manuals and just turning knobs and making the connections in my brain, like what does what. And nowadays, like anyone can just go on the internet and like go to Splice or Cymatics and just download a bunch of amazingly amazing sounds, like really good. And then watch a YouTube tutorial on how to sound like this guy and do that. And like in a week, they're like making songs that sound like something, right? It sounds good and acceptable, but like there's no like, for, in my opinion, it's not like it, it can have like, wow, it sounds good. It sounds good. But like, what have you actually done? Like, have you created anything that's actually special and of value? Like, and, and and to the public, they don't really know or care or mind as long as it sounds good, right? But I think there's a degree of like artistry that you get from other people, maybe like you, you know, and like you can kind of tell like that separates some of these like actual, I don't know, like people that have more of a vision with their art and they've put in the time to develop something themselves that is just better in my, and like to put it like bluntly. I mean, it doesn't also really matter at the end of the day, as long as you're comfortable and stuff. Like, I mean, none of this actually really matters as long as like you're like the fact that anyone's able to like make music or like do art and, you know, and have a career off of it. It's pretty amazing. So when when I started electronic music, it's the same thing. There was nothing to learn from. I had to figure it all out. But on top of that, electronic music was just seen as this dumb toy music. Like it wasn't seen as real shit that you would like go and see at a show or like it wasn't seen. There was no industry around it. Like it was not seen as a thing that. You, you would buy you know like you wouldn't go buy you wouldn't like follow an artist and like buy their record and go to their show and like buy their t-shirt or whatever it was seen as this like just ridiculous thing and that was just dumb and like so the only reason it existed is because drugs exist and the only people who listen to it are like weird people who shave the side of their head and have nose rings and shit and like it was it was literally just seen as that like very left field shit 
and now it's not that right like now it is this kind of mainstream thing that you know you go to a show and like this whole industry surrounded about around it so much so that there's like giant multi-million dollar companies that surround this industry like insomniac and stuff like that yeah so i um, think you're, yeah what what you're bringing up right now and, and all of that exists because of people sharing information and networking and like creating it, it all starts from the music right yeah okay so but also with that with the the mainstream like it becoming more popular and more accessible it also brings in tons of new people to like make more music and want to want to get involved in it and participate in it and they may do take shortcuts and expect to be at someone's level who's done more work right and and then they'll take shortcuts to do that just because they want to be a part of it and one of those things is like necessarily downloading a project file and just rearranging a few things like and it's, it's been such a problem with me like and tons of people probably deal with this but like people will literally just like rip your song like a clip or a preview out of it and then rearrange a few things and then re-upload it to their soundcloud and name it like a like a remix or whatever and then get like and people may not even know the original song and this and this happens a lot i mean and a lot of this just kind of comes down like to like just like protecting your intellectual properties really all, all it really is and it just depends on how high you, how high highly you value it and i mean i know you probably value your stuff too but maybe you don't value it in that degree and you're also like okay my next thing is gonna be better so i don't really care that's kind of how i feel about it yeah. it's like they're always going to be one step behind because then yeah not, of course they're not doing what i'm doing right now yeah and i'm not really worried about that too either but I I do just kind of want to like for myself, I would like to things that I've figured out on my own. I, I kind of just want to keep that to myself. There's a, like a, this, my music is personal to me is really what it comes down to. Right. And I, I do share information like a lot. And I have a discord server where people ask questions and I type in there. I tell people how I mix my music down. And, and that's another thing. I'm like so open, like to give information away, like for free, like when it's in regard to technical things like that, like mixing and mastering, how to get your shit super loud, like how to make a snare drum. Like I share that information all the time. But when it comes down to like more things like what do I do with that information? How do I make my own art? Like I don't, I don't really like to get, go in too deep into that because, you know, that's my thing. You started by saying the reason drum and bass didn't get big in America is because of the way that they are. And what I'm saying is like the way that they are is the way that you're being about sharing this project. Not even close. Um, okay, so what is the difference then? What, what is No, because drum and bass is like they gatekeep their own genre like crazy. Like they don't support other artists doing their thing until they prove them proven themselves to be like one of them you know and that's mm. not what I, you're talking like we're talking about maybe two different things in regards to drum and bass you're okay, talking yeah, more about I'm the curious. production aspect of things right okay that's what and I was i'm talking, talking about, more yeah. about like the community aspect of it when i brought up dnb because dnb has a really super tight community and yeah I, that, that's what i'm saying like i went back to earlier like i any if if Someone link something on my Discord server because I listen to most of the stuff. And if I like it, like I'll post about it on Twitter. I'll post about it on my server. I even have a thing on my server where I just share people's music and I at everyone. I'm like, listen to this song. It's sick. I don't know many German based people who do something like that. That is a very bizarre thing. What is the name of your Discord server? Uh, the Dongle Den. Uh, yeah, I don't take the name very seriously. I mean, it, I started it to, to just play video against my buddies and then like the the link got on Twitter a couple times and then it's just become like a music server. But it, do I mean, you know how many members are in there? I don't know. I don't promote it. There's probably like a couple hundred people in there. But yeah, it's a good it's a good community. But yeah, anyways, I'm not even trying to plug the server. I'm just trying to talk about like a little community that I have going and what other are, people have going. Shitloads of people who listen to this podcast are on Discord though. So like, if, should they go to your Discord? Yeah, I mean... If you want to get involved in like a dubstep community, uh, there, there's like, yeah, we play video games. 
we talk about music production. There's a promotion channel. You can share arts. You can get feedback on things. There's just general discussion. It's really, I mean, I really like it, but it's also my thing too. So, right. right. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, uh, how do you feel about like AI and music then? Like, I, I believe sometime in not the too far away future, there's going to be like a tool that you can install on your computer and it will just like track all of your key logs and track all of your mouse actions and create heat maps and shit inside Ableton. And it can also just look at the spectral information, look at the timing information and so on and so forth. And it, it could just be like, all right, we know that you like certain sounding kick drums all the time. We know that you like you preference these certain types of like melodic sensibilities and so on and so forth. And eventually over like maybe a year or six months or two years or however long it takes, it can just build up a profile of the shit that you like spectrally and like based on your key mapping, uh, your key logs and all that shit. And eventually it'll just be like, all right, cool. I can just like pump out all the style tracks. And let's say hypothetically that could exist and it could pump out all the style tracks that were non-recognizably different from ones that you spend weeks producing. Like, how would you feel about something like that? Oh, I mean, I think, yeah. So the, I mean, that's not even like a, a music question. That's like a like a reality and life question uh, is yeah, the way no, I see it. Totally. It's totally a philosophical. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I honestly, I have like, I mean, I have a ton of crazy theories about life and stuff, but yeah, I think one theory is that like reality takes place in like some crazy future, like the, like a different world that we exist in and every, like, everything has become so automated and so easy and so streamlined and so perfect that like humanity and like life, as you know, it just is not even, not enjoyable or destroyable because everything's so automated like an ai can just feed you you know do you make your music for you everything you don't need to do anything at all like you don't need to live so like i don't know maybe we're like playing a game where there is some spice in life you know things aren't perfect you have to actually put an effort to things and i don't know i think that's kind of what makes the human experience human is like the the difficulty of things and having to overcome them like an ai could do anything for you it doesn't just need to be music like an ai could know when you're going to be hungry and feed you you don't even have to get up an ai could grow your crops you don't you know like uh, i think already happens but like yeah um, yeah i don't think there's like well it's probably humans growing crops but uh <laughs> i'm curious though like uh let's say put the shoe on the other foot uh your favorite artist for instance let's say they had this thing on their computer and had had logged like years of their behavior and could spit out just music on command of their tracks would you be like happy about that would you be happy about the fact that you could generate like a thousand new sudden death tracks right now if you felt like (laughs) um i mean i don't know like it'd be nice for your enjoyment but i think a lot of the novelty of it of music would probably eventually disappear like the the public also there's yeah there's an abundance of it too and like like people like diamonds or whatever because there's like a rarity to it like a manufactured one but at the but yeah there's a rarity and there's a novelty to things that like are hard to do or difficult like athletes or sports like so what you're saying no one would watch sports if everyone was that strong no one would care it actually goes that actually goes perfectly into your last question but why do i protect my art or like why do i not want to share things it's like okay so if i'm sharing everything i'm doing then everyone can do it and it loses this novelty right yeah okay but i don't agree that everyone can do it but yeah i get what you're saying um we need to like put a like a chinese like one child policy on artists just like a one track policy if you're an artist you can't make more than one track i mean yeah that'd be like i mean i mean and i think 
artists do do that. Like there are a lot of people like they take long hiatuses and then they come back and they drop a record and everyone's like, oh my God, like Daft Punk, like whatever, right? Like, and you're just developing the hype, like Half-Life or whatever, a video game. It's like people like anticipate the like, oh my God, when's the next Half-Life coming out? Yeah, that's like some maturity artist shit that I'm just like not on that. I'm not on that level at all. I'm so like far from that. I have to be making shit all the time. And I have to be showing it to people all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and the, I mean, the, and that's a normal thing. That's a human thing. Like, because you also need validation with what you're doing. Because exactly. you don't know. You're just one, you're judging yourself, and like, you don't know if it's actually good. So you need someone else to tell you. Right. I mean, it's good if it's good to you. Then that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Well, I mean, making music is inherently fun to me. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it depends on if you're trying to make a career out of it or you're trying to show it to a large audience, and you need other ears on it. Right. So that you can decide if it's going to be something that we can all agree on you as an artist and the public. And you know, that's another thing I think that like makes that's it's also a weird thing. Like I've been asked the question before, like, Oh, would you sell out and like make music? You don't like, like, and well, first of all, I like a lot of music, but like, um, you know, like I, I could work any other job at the point, but it's like not fun for me to you know, do a desk job. You know, you have to do something that you like. And then if you want to make a career out of it, it has to be something that you and the public agree on. Mm-hmm. I kind of went off on a little tangent there. What were you asking me? Uh, we're talking about AI and music, <laughs> but uh, no, it's fine. We can go on tangents. Um, it's kind of I just forgot the original question, though. The original question was like, how do you feel about Frequent's tweet about chopping rhythm tracks together? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we went way... No, oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, no. Making, a, yeah, making music as a professional basically just has to be a, an agreement of you, the creator of it, and the people who consume it. And that's basically what it comes down to. Right. Um, have you messed around with writing pop music at all? Yeah. I mean, it's it's something I like to do, but there definitely isn't like a, um, I don't have like a demo for it. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, if someone had an offer for me and they're like, yo, there's a singer and like, we want you to write a bunch of tracks for them. I would be stoked to do that. And like, and, I mean, and like, I don't know, just like making music and sounds is fun for me in any facet. Like I listen to a lot of music too. So like if someone was like, quit DJ and like just help me like make sound effects for video games or movies or whatever. Like I would totally do that. Um, as long as I'm, you know, just being creative in that regard with audio, it's all it really comes down to, to me, mm-hmm. for me as an individual. Right. So like DJs fly a lot, right? Uh, uh-huh. how many flights do you reckon you've taken like over the last few years, just DJing? Um, I don't know. Uh, 2019 was like a really chill year for me. I kind of like, did more specific shows but the year before i did so much stuff i don't even know it's like almost traumatic like there's a lot of like rough experiences of just like not sleeping and like missing flights and going long distances and i already have like weird health issues and stuff and like flying is hard like because my sinuses get all messed up and then my ears like are all fucked up and then i have to play shows with really loud music and like blast my eardrums and then like they're all clogged up and then i have to get another flight and do that again and then like i get really sick and i did like a world tour last year and i ended up like when i landed from my leg like i went to the doctor because i was like so sick and they're like yeah you definitely cannot fly and then my agent's like you got like four more offers in europe you have to go back and i was like dude i'm so sick and he's like he's like he's like yeah i get it like but like you should do it if you can and i just talked to my like i went back i was like yo give me all the medicine you have so i can do it and then i went back and did it again and then like ended up getting stranded in germany and had to take like a train to france and then got lost in france and then barely missed my show in like south of france and then oh, to traveling can be super rough i mean and that's why like 
I don't know, bus tours would be nice, right? You bus just... tours are sick, but they're way more expensive. They are. But they're not as yeah, economical. So but... there's there's been a few comments on this podcast when I've talked to other people and literally every artist I talk to complains about touring because it's fucking hard. Uh-huh. But there's been a few comments on on like a few of these episodes where people are like, oh, you fucking entitled pieces of shit. I work at a factory and you get to just like sit on a plane and fly around. It's like, I mean, like the, uh, uh, if anyone has done what I said, where they literally like are getting told by a doctor every, that they cannot do it. And uh, then well, that's uh, different. Yeah. That's, and then you go around and say, fuck you, doctor. I, I have to do it because it's my like, I can't let the fans down. You know, I need to do but it. Every- that's like a factory worker. Like, yeah, like if you hate your factory job that sucks i'm sorry i recommend that you try other things if you can but like yo like there are people you know in situations that like are in rough situations as well doing music you know but that's what you do for the love of music right you you make those sacrifices whether it's something like risking ever hearing again <laughs> for the love of music plus slight <laughs> financial gain <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean uh, no like the, the this stuff like wasn't even like good financial gain like i didn't care about the money like i was in enticed to do it because he's like yo you will have played every place in europe this year none of my other artists have done that you you should do it it looks sick and i was like fuck you're right let's do it true you know i mean that's another thing too like a a management thing going back to it's like it's not all about money in fact it's very rarely about money it's all about like good looks it's about yeah it's about things that like look good and establish you as like someone who is a right like, like a good artist yeah i've played shows for like fuck all money but like the catches i get to like you know play red rocks or something yeah or, exactly or like i've done shows for like pretty low offers but then the catches my name looks kind of big on an aeg event or something and then yeah you have, yeah then you have play history with x company in y state or y city or whatever and then your management is it's this like recurring message that i hear from my management constantly like yes but then when you come back next time it'll be good <laughs> and it's like yeah dude, we've literally done like three shows in this city yeah and- that happens to me all the time like oh yeah you do it this time but then like it rarely ever actually follows up the way you expect it yeah, to you just like, keep on doing it and right, that's another right. thing like you really have to, that's another thing a management should do is they should put their foot down on things it's like yeah we've done this like yeah stop like now we we move up to the next level for me it's on another fucking level because i've been doing this shit for like 10 years so it's like i've played every city a bunch of times yeah exactly and, and that's like, there's like yeah. clearly like something there that right. c- could be you know <laughs> like improved on yeah 100 percent agreed um yeah so you release let's talk about that more what what's your favorite remix on the release oh i mean i don't really want to like pick a favorite i think because everyone has their own interpretation of things they did on the package and everyone did a really good job like i think the production and just it's really cool i mean yeah going back because we got sidetracked but yeah the reason i wanted to do a remix package is because i was just really excited to see how like artists that i look up to like everyone everyone on there i didn't do anything strategically like for clout or like it's, it's all just people i really like i listen to their music it, like i'm not doing anyone favors no one's doing me favors just genuinely like a respect for the music so i was just excited to see how people i like music of course how they're gonna reinterpret what i did you know and that's it was kind of just like something exciting for me to do and i'm sure a lot of my fans are excited about it too and i, I know they are because i've seen it um that is exciting when you see like how someone can reinterpret or like reimagine a piece of someone else's art. So I find and that's that- another thing. Like, like I approve these people specifically because mm-hmm. I like their art. I'm like, right. yes, you can touch my art. I right. don't give my stems to people. A lot of people like people ask me for stems or like sounds or whatever. I don't give that to, as you know, I literally just don't give it to people because like it's, you know, I don't want them doing it, but like, I specifically chose these people mm-hmm. 
because I think that they would do something really cool. And they, you know, they did. Well, uh, here's the way I feel about remixes. Like I get a lot of people remixing my shit all the time just because my shit is so available to get off the internet without my approval. Um, well, yeah, you put it all up there. Yeah, I know, which is <laughs> fine. Like there's this guy currently in my Beleagle Immigrants Facebook group called Donovan Patrick who's remixed like six of my tracks in the last month or something. Shout out Donovan. Yeah, dude. He's, he's the guy driving from Wichita <laughs> to... Yeah, actually, he may, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, I find there's two kinds of remixes that I get. One is like the original music I, musical idea was just not there. Mm-hmm. And they've just sort of like stripped everything back and just used like a couple of sound design things from the tune or something. And I'm like, yeah, I hear like a few of the sounds from the original, but like the whole musical idea that originally existed is just gone. So it's not. That's like a collab at that point. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> that you like didn't agree on anything. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah exactly. they're just using your assets for right. their own music. Yeah, exactly. So I don't count that as a remix usually. And then the other kind of remix that I get is more like a what I would consider a re edit, where it's sort of like, the original song but just with like some kick drums moved around or something like that or like you know some sections moved around yeah i I hate that stuff more than the the latter because that's something that's happened to me a lot like more than the former you mean yeah the former excuse me yeah yeah um that's happened to me so much like kids yeah as i said will literally just rip things off the internet and then like layer their own drums over it and then re-upload it as like a remix or whatever and that is so frustrating for me yeah i agree and not okay like i don't think that's okay at all right because then it kind of looks bad on you as a thing that you approved maybe or something. Or just the fact that like, I, I don't know, it's just, I would never think about doing something like that. Like I want to download like scary monsters and nice sprites and like change it slightly and then upload it as like my song. I think that's just kind of messed up. Like not as an Ula style remix, but just <laughs> no, as like a just, fresh tune. Or no, just like as an Ula style remix or like, yeah, like I just think that's weird, a weird thing to do. As I said, like music is art and I don't think that's very artistic. I mean, but maybe it is and maybe to that person, you know, and who am I to judge? But Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? (laughs) It's like maybe they've just picked up Ableton like a week ago and they're like proud of this thing that they did. Yeah, And then then they're allowed to do that. We'll put it on the fridge for a minute. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, there are definitely, yeah, we'll put it on the fridge. Uh, Participation award. (laughs) Um, No, but I mean, there's definitely instances where there are people who like just do that time and time after again. You know, I don't know. And it gets, it gets kind of begins to get weird or whatever. Mm, yeah. Okay. But anyways, going back to the remix EP. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Like I tried to get a, like a diverse selection. I really wanted, I'm really happy that you did something like more chill. Cause I wanted like that aspect on there too. So here's how I feel about that. Originally when you gave me stems, I was like, I know everyone's just going to make bangers. So I'm going to make not a banger. Perfect. And then after I did that, I was like, oh, I should have made a banger. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. Cause I really like what you did. It gives me like definitely like Apex twin sort of vibes um because it's got like all the crazy percussion i don't mm-hmm. know it really evolves really nice i don't know i really like it i don't know i'm happy oh, you did that and then i have ominous who did a house remix which is really good yeah he's not like a house artist right well he he's like most people know him for dubstep but he's like does tell a jump up and he does house and he's got like a like he does mi- mixes on soundcloud too and he does house sections a lot of the time and yeah you know he yeah he's a diverse artist so that's good that he did that he's just you know he's not doesn't pigeonhole himself and what he's doing um and then clockwise and vorso have like they made like a dubstep tune i was thinking they would maybe make more of like a halftime sort of thing because that you know they're like more neuroly sort of guys but even their remix like has a ton of neuro sound design it has like a four on the four section which is like really hype and insane um and then like i got like more rhythmy dudes like akios and jub who you know 
made it more rhythm. And then I have Digitist and Neonics who made like a like a little more sound designy experimental dubstep tune. And the mine's just a VIP, which I t- the original tune's like more melodic and then Wait, so I made it heavier. A, you have a tune on the remix? Yeah, too? Oh, yeah, cool. I remixed it. My song too. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to the package. I, yeah, I've clicked through it. You clicked through um, it? Okay. I clicked through it and was like, oh, everything's a banger except my tune. <laughs> no, yours is a banger in its own right. I literally like clicked through it all. I was like, fuck. And then just like walked away from my computer. Yeah, because well, everyone did so good. That's a good thing. Yeah, you're intimidated by the remixes, but you shouldn't yeah. be because, you know, every, everything stands on its own in its own way. Yeah. yeah. I kind of felt um, similarly about the Dead Mouse package that I just did too, because it was like a Peekaboo remix and like a bunch of other remixes. And my one is again just like a glitchy. Like, I feel like the way I've been working lately is like, I've been doing EPs and singles and shit that are just like and collabs basically that are just all bangers. And then every time I do a remix for someone, it's always like an IDM tune. And I don't know, I find it really easy to write down tempo IDM stuff. And I think that's why I do that because somebody gives me a remix, there's usually a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get something done. So then I'm like, oh, just path of least resistance. And then but it's just- also kind of cool thing too, because if you're probably like remixing like more banger tunes, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna go in that direction. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to keep. Well, the, the- Dead Mouse one was uh, from the symphony thing he did, so it was definitely not a banger. Okay, it was like a string piece. Yeah, which kind of made sense based off of a banger. Uh, was it? I don't. Yeah. I don't know which what you remix though. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the tune. <laughs> It's like H3RO. Oh, a classic dead mouse. Yeah. It's like some string of numbers and yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like Amazing. some Apex twin naming yeah. system or something. <laughs> Dude, Apex, Apex's naming system's fucked. I don't get it. He's got like the same, like on that Zero album or whatever, he's got like three tracks or two tracks that are named like the same thing with just a different string of numbers at the end. Like one's called Zero something. Oh, I can't remember the name. Yeah, I don't know. So it's basically just numbers, but with the same thing at the start so like you could if you're djing like on a cdj you wouldn't even know which one yeah if you had both you wouldn't know for sure so yeah i was talking about developing the network of fans because then we got distracted on you like oh you're not sharing ideas and stuff which is true that's a good point yeah but yeah i want to go back into because sharing the community is a big thing for me you know and developing the community i think yeah so basically what it comes down to Find your own artistic identity, make really good music that sounds like you and not like someone you like. Obviously pull inspiration from people you like and stuff, but you know, do it in something that's unique and original to you. And that's how you develop like your own sound as an artist. You do that and then make really good music and then find other people who are doing the same thing, link up with them, start your own little network of people. Then you kind of have your own little click going and people can notice that you grow your fan base pretty naturally that way. Then after you have your own sound, then you can develop a visual brand for yourself. And that's when I recommend doing things like like self-releasing music or another good way to grow your network is to like work with labels. So if you're making good music, getting label releases should be really easy. So he, no, here's a big issue that I had back in the day was um because the sound I initially developed for myself was so fucked. It was oh, basically yeah, like yeah. all glitch and break or an IDM and stuff. It was impossible to find labels at okay, the, for, yeah. like, for, for about the first seven years of my career. I couldn't get a, a release on any label. Yeah. So that's actually another really good point. So yeah, it kind of negates everything I said, but it's actually a total fact. So yeah, making actually good music doesn't necessarily mean that people will like it because it may not fit into the mold of what people are trying to do or like at that given moment of time. It takes, sometimes it takes when you're making stuff like that, like you're definitely way ahead of everything all the time you've done things, especially in the past. And it takes a long time for people to catch up to that stuff. 
and I, and I, you know, I've kind of been the same way too, like making music that like not really many people get at the time, but then becomes popular years down the road. Right. I um, mean, yeah. Like neuro shit was like not a huge thing, maybe five years ago or something like that. Yeah. Neuro is also really interesting. I don't know if neuro even is popular right now. Yeah, Skrillex, uh, sorry, uh, Nolan had a good point on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was like, halftime just needs a Skrillex. Yeah. Which I feel like is a fact. But every genre of music needs kind of that person. And dubstep has like, I feel like excision or whatever that helped really help bring this new wave back because he just invested so much into production and he's like porting and bringing on like a lot of these people who are smaller but really talented on his tours and playing their music and that's helped a lot with the resurgence of the genre and making it more popular so yeah that's a really good point if you had someone like that investing tons of money on production and advertising for that genre of music because it's a good genre of music i really like it and that's really honestly a lot of stuff that got me into producing was like cohen sound and like technian was like really popular at the time and like disprove emperors that and sort like of stuff Maco. Yeah, Maco is awesome. Yeah, um, all that stuff was like stuff I was really into when I first started producing. Um, so yeah, def- yeah, that's definitely a good point. My cursor, obviously. Yeah, cursor, of course. So good. Um, what was the? Yeah, and then there's Dusky, who's now Seppa, right? And Dude, they had yeah, a group. Seppa is so good. They have a new group now. Slug Slug. Well, Wife. Slug Wife is the label. Yeah. So okay. True. Slug Wife is kind of like a label that has, I believe, Cursor, Seppa, Rezo. Rezo's on it. Like yeah. A few other people. Yeah. Rezo's making like more dubstep stuff now too. Even. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, he used to make tons of crazy breaks. He still does, obviously. Yeah, Rezo's amazing. Yeah, man. All this music. I love this music so much. I wish it was more popular in America. I agree. I, and that was another thing. Like, I used to make that music mostly before dubstep. My mixing was terrible, but like sound design was pretty cool i think that really helped me like when i was like dubstep i was like oh i can make these sounds really easily like massive patches are so much easier than like resampling reuse bases a thousand times over and i can like learn how to actually mix down a tune and i like the music too so i diverted into that and then luckily like that this genre grew with my music as well right right yeah, <laughs> and i don't think sense. neuro and also that's another issue like neuro isn't as opening of a community at least maybe at the time. Well, that's because all neuro people are actually just all drum and bass people in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually like all drum and bass people who just like put the times two button on their snare channels. Yeah. <laughs> on their snare. Or the, the, the divide two. Divide by two. Yeah. yeah they yeah, just yeah. like went to all their snare channels and divided by two and they're like, done. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. Uh, yeah. Like, um, Scope, man. He's fucking so mm-hmm. good. Scope's amazing. Yeah. Joe, so he, Joe he, Ford. He, Right, yeah. So I would he call makes DMB again now, though. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, I would call Scope a drama based producer mostly, but mm-hmm. his halftime shit is great. Yeah, cool. So like, you find your friends and shit. You create a little community on the internet or locally or whatever. Yeah, but then let's say you're at that level. Then what's the next thing you think? Well, yeah, I think something that helps is to yeah go try to get label stuff. But yeah, you you did make a really good point. Like you could be making really good music, but if it doesn't fit into whatever is popular or whatever the people want, they may not. So the, so the way I got around that was um, I just self-released, but I did it in like a pretty clever way where I teamed with Funny, made this little character, did a bunch of collabs. Yeah, it's going like, back to created my... Created a series yeah. of releases that were like clearly of the same package and like all had the exact same like, you know, branding and shit like that. And I just kind of like made my own thing that I couldn't somehow get a label to pick up. But, yes. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that's my other point is like you have to develop like a visual brand on top of your music. Um, but yeah, there's kind of like both things need to happen. It's like kind of al- almost like a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, uh, maybe you should, yeah, you should definitely develop a brand first that people resonate with and they like, 
Um, but yeah, labels help. So yeah, so labels are interesting because I think a lot of labels try to force their brand on your music sometimes, which is why I don't recommend them all the time. But labels are really good exposing your music to their audience, you know, and it's it's okay to kind of sacrifice some of your brand to get that uh, wider reach of your music. And that's why I recommend using them. But yeah, you also need to have what you said, like your own visual brand and stuff. But if you even you could even have a really good visual brand and really good music. But if no one is hearing it, like, what are you going to do? You know, so you have to get it in the right hands of the people. And labels are a good way to do that. Right. They expose it to an audience. What do you think of repost chains on SoundCloud? Well, I mean, they kind of like screwed up SoundCloud a lot, you know, and I think a lot of people stopped using it because like so much trash got on their way. But I so think, here's what I think. I think the SoundCloud feed was initially a good feed. That was a good way to find music and keep up to date with people who are uploading music that you gave a shit about. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you followed what you liked. Right. Yeah. And then with the repost chain and uh, with the repost button and repost chains, the feed became pretty unusable. And then SoundCloud in general became pretty unusable. Um. I mean, but in reality, just kind of people took advantage of it because reposting should be a good feature because like that's a good way to you know expose people to things. Right. And if you're following an artist that you like and they're reposting music that they like, there is a higher chance that you're like a high chance that you'll like that, too. But that all hinges on the fact that people aren't greedy and will yes, use it. Exactly. In this very and exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they are. And that's why. And that's why it's like failing. Um, And yeah, people will like pay like a lot of people artists will like take money from smaller producers who like aren't good at making music yet so that they can repost their song or whatever right wait or, is that true yeah absolutely like yeah a- people will pay for repost this is an actual thing and this is a part of a big part of the reason why your soundcloud feed sucks is because there are artists who are doing this so like i mean i've a fair few followers on soundcloud i would say like seventy thousand. nobody's ever come to me and been like hey can i give you money to repost my thing yeah, people have actually asked me that, and I've what was like, the less. amount of money that they? I don't know. They just ask if I can buy reposts, and I just ignore them. Oh man, should, yeah, and I know people artists who like promote this ask, stuff too. Like, how much? There are uh, no. Curious to, I don't care. I'm just I'm curious not, to know like what they're offering. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't feed into this stuff. I mean, like, I don't know. I I'm kind. Of, I don't know if it's a dick thing on me, but I don't give the time of day to things that I don't agree with or believe. I wouldn't in or give whatever. the time of day to it in terms of like doing it or entertaining it. But yeah. um, I would give the time of day to it to learn more about it. Yeah. Like, well, how much? Do you- <laughs> yeah, just curious. So you yeah, have the information for for educational purposes. Uh just to yeah, just conversation. Well, yeah, just to you know make other people aware that this is the amount of money you could make doing this. I suppose. Yeah. But you shouldn't. Or or if someone was like, oh, I got offered blah 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 to to do a repost, be like, oh man, I got offered like this much. That's the going and rate. Cloud <laughs> flex your repost value. No, you just be like, that's the going rate. You're getting ripped off. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 But obviously, I wouldn't agree with. No, I think like reposting for any reason like that is fucked. Yeah, I mean, and then also that goes into so beyond just monetary incentive, which has happened, um, and does probably still happen. There are just like management and stuff too, who like for whatever reason, like they'll have like an established artist or whatever, and they'll pick up a new person who may not be good. Going back to my theory, you don't need to be good at making music to have a career in music. They'll throw them on their thing, and then all of a sudden, this big artist who you do like is reposting all this music from this person you don't like because it's their team doing it right it's their team putting it out there i i have i had a repost chain but it's all people 
that I really look up to. And like, we, it's just the same. It's our community. It's our mutual thing. And it's not like an excessive like thing that you can get into. And no one probably even knows that it exists until right now. Um, and it still kind of exists. We have a Facebook chat where we share our music, but it's not uh, like a mandatory thing. Anymore. Also, I think though, if that like kind of thing existed and somebody asked me to come into a thing like that, I would only want to do it on the basis that I can choose to not repost shit if I don't think it's cool. Yeah, that's what it, it is now. Because yeah. it's like even my favorite artists sometimes make a tune that, that I, you don't that agree I'm not, with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's fine. And that's, and that's where, that's where we're at right now. Um, but yeah, the, you, I think it is a strong thing going back to what I said before about having friends and artists that you look up to or like, you know, have a mutual taste for each other, finding a group like that and then being able to support each other is a really powerful thing. And that's a good thing. And that's what repost groups and chains should be and not an exploited for like management or monetary value. Like they happen, which was like led to like the downfall of SoundCloud feed. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, so you think like, well, I guess this is not even really management. Like artists should just do this in general, even if they do have a manager, I feel like is like build a community with other artists and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's important, even if you do have a manager. But yeah, I mean, maybe you're the type of person who isn't very social and isn't good at that. So like a manager, I mean, that's like a manager should be supplementing things that you are not strong at. Like that's kind of what their job mm. is, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you're not a social person, and you like, and you could love tons of artists, but you're like too afraid to talk to them, or even if they hit you up, like you're too afraid to reply to them, or right, right, you right. know, or you're distracted by other things. You know, a manager can step in and be like, hey, like check out like this guy's music. They're a fan of you. Maybe you're a fan of them too, or whatever. And if they want to repost it then they can. And that's what, like, that's what I use my Discord for too. Like people, anyone can post their music on there and I'll listen to it. And if I like it, I will share it. <laughs> right. You know, but I, I, I don't like when people specifically ask me to do something. You know, like I'm not obligated to do anything yeah, for yeah. anyone. You know, yeah. and, you know, I want to share stuff that I believe in that I, you know, that I think is for the betterment of the genre in my eyes, you know, because, you know, the public may not agree with what I like, but you know, what I know if, what I like. What if your landlord was like, repost my track and you don't have to pay rent this month? <laughs> oh, dang. Probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> Dude, like, that's another thing. It's like, I don't know. That's the <laughs> in me, right? <laughs> the, just it's a well, moral. I, I, knew, I knew we couldn't do this podcast without saying you were a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. We can delete that part of it. You yeah. can just bleep it out, actually, even. Just put a sine wave over it. <laughs> just be like what did he say what is in him (laughs) you should definitely do it now all right we can have my podcast editor bleep things out (laughs) you should have him bleep out a bunch of stuff keep it mysterious and then like in a year we'll re-release the podcast (laughs) unbleeped and then we'll call it unedited uncensored raw nice yeah do you want to chat about any other stuff i feel like we covered so much we covered a lot of stuff but yeah, um, just to brush up back on that topic with artists, make good music. Yeah, Find other people that like what you do and you like what they do. Share your music with them. Develop a brand, a visual identity. Then, if it's possible, if labels will work with you, try to get them to do some of your stuff for a small period of time so you can get more exposure. Then go back, develop your brand more. And at that point, you should be having you should have a fan base. And if you have a fan base, promoters will want to book you or at least an agent will be interested or an agent. Some, some people will notice at a point, like there becomes a point when people notice and they care and there's money to be made off of you. Right. right? right. And that people would be stupid to not be doing it because there's obviously a demand. 
you know, and when that happens, it happens. And then you're in the game and you're in the industry and you can continue on there and and then maybe get a manager who can take you further and, you know, manage your day-to-day life. And that's kind of how it happens. And that's the the way to do it. And, you know, you just make sure all those boxes are checked that you have people who care about you and you care about other people and you're making good art and you should be good to go, to be honest. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on my podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having (laughs) me. Yeah. You kind of came on my that sounded really bad. We should bleep that Dude, one for I, sure. I always come on people's. Yeah, we're in my studio right now, filming, uh, <laughs> not filming, recording this podcast. Can this we, is, di- this can we divulge this information? That yeah, of course. This yeah. has happened a few times um, okay. where I'm like, yeah, welcome to my podcast, but it feels weird because I'm like in someone else's studio. Because generally, the I, I don't do a lot of these in my own house. I mostly anyway. do them. I mostly do them when I'm traveling. Yeah. So it's either in a hotel room or in a someone you else's studio. Rebrand the podcast to Bill's Traveling Podcast, and then it should be like your little. It should be your little funny guy with a briefcase. I should call and like it a microphone a, in the other hand. Bill's Travel Show or something like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get picked up by like some weird channel on HBO. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, HBO would not do. You a could, You show. should do it on like YouTube Red eventually. You know, like aim for the stars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> YouTube Red, you would come, baby. No, I should do it on Pornhub Gold. Yeah. I don't know. It should be. Have you seen, you know how at the start of all Pornhub videos, there's that little the drum, drum loop? Yeah, yeah, of course. Dan to camp. Should sample that. Yeah. And that's our next it'd, collab it'd right there. And like, you know, there's the arm and break, the the thing break. There's also now the, it's the Pornhub the break. Pornhub that's break. the next in the DNB line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, no, all future DNB bangers will be made with no, 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 the this Pornhub is, this break. Is what the halftime Skrillex will do. Oh, he'll, yeah. He'll take that break and that's popularize <laughs> the pioneering of the new genre. Yeah. Wow. We're actual geniuses. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, thanks, man. Feel free if you're the next neuro Skrillex to use that idea. Yeah. Oh, by the way, people should check out your release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go like you on social media. Yeah. If you like it. Um, what's it called? Yeah. So yeah, the remix thing is happening now, but then I have a lot of stuff planned, original stuff, not remixes for the rest of this year. Um, we could have totally talked about that stuff, but We'll talk about it's it next fine. Time. We'll talk about it <laughs> next time after it's come out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll do a round two, but yeah. I'll be at your house next time. Okay. Cool. Wherever that may be. Currently San Fran, but maybe not there. Yeah, exactly. The traveling <laughs> Mr. Bill, you know what I'm saying? You never know. It's a Mr. Bill travel show. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, dude. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast.